Good afternoon, everybody. Good to see you all. And um, yeah, there's some delicious cakes outside if you haven't had some already. Don't forget the bake sale. I mean, the, the best cookies have already been eaten. I'm sorry. But I'm sure there's some stuff that's really still good that's there. Uh, there's, oh, they're just as good. Oh, okay. That's just my own bias. That was a... Um, how, you know, go and get something from the bake sale and um, send some kids to camp. Yes. Thank you, Dave. All righty. So this uh, last week, Aaron preached an amazing message, uh, which the title of which was, um, What's in Your Heart? And he focused particularly on the uh, Israelites coming out of Egypt and coming into the Promised Land, that moment that's recorded in Numbers chapter 13, where um, they sent spies out into the land. Those spies came back. Basically, 10 out of the 12 came back full of fear. And they said, look, the land is great, but it's full of giants. And they had this phrase that's recorded, I think, in about verse 32 or 33. And it says, they, um, they, we looked like grasshoppers in our eyes, and so we were to them. And the, the, the idea was this, that um, the way that what we believe about ourselves in relation to God or relation to you know, others is actually going to, you know, or even ourselves, is going to be the way that other people around us see us. And, um, and so we're not to have grasshopper thinking because we're not created to be grasshoppers, which you know, is, is small thinking. We're actually created to be um, trusting in the Lord who has infinite power and glory and always wins. The second part of what he said was that we were to then to kind of overcome that grasshopper thinking. One of the things that we could do, we needed to do, was to live in gratitude and thankfulness. That the power of speaking out appreciation, the power of gratitude, actually sets us onto a place of faith and expectation in God. And so I, I felt stirred about that this week, um, and I, f- I wanted to do part two of what's in your heart. Um, it says in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, Jesus said this. He said, out of the overflow of your heart, out of the, sorry, out of the abundance or the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Just before that, he said, you know, a good person out of a good treasure brings out good. An evil person out of, e- out of their evil tre- treasure brings out evil Trevor. Sorry. Blessed Trevor. <laughs> blessed Trevor. Yes, definitely <laughs> blessed Trevor. And... Um, and that, but that for us, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, the heart is the litmus, sorry, the mouth is the litmus test of what's going on in your heart. And if you're speaking out anger or unforgiveness or lies or bitterness or, or doubt or just a sense of everything is going to be, you know, everything's going to go wrong, what, what that's revealing in your heart is the reality that we don't trust the Lord fully. We don't, haven't experienced his love and his joy and, and you know, the word evil in the, or in the New Testament, in the Greek, actually the root word of evil is uh, pain or laborious trouble. And so you could say this, that the, uh, that the you know, evil is being pain-ridden. So that the evil person, Jesus says, the person who is pain-ridden, who has pain in their hearts, out of the pain in their hearts, will express and result, and result in pain-ridden ways. Another, another way of putting that is hurt people hurt people. 
But you could flip it around the other way and say the absence of pain, the purity of heart in a pure person will produce purity and so therefore healed people heal people. And, um, you know, for all of us, it's, you know, the Bible says it's really, really important that we manage our hearts and that we take care of our hearts. And, you know, for, for all of us, the reality is that while we may, you know, if you've come to know Jesus, your heart is being transformed. If you don't know Jesus yet, you actually can't fulfill all that God's called you to until that moment where you say yes to Jesus and he begins the transformation process in your heart. But if you, if, you know, even those of us we've said yes to Jesus, what that's left with is because of the, the issues of our life and our past, we actually have pain within us that the Holy Spirit wants to heal, right? So I've been reading through the, this is by way of preamble, in fact, why don't you turn to Proverbs 4 while I'm doing this preamble introduction, and you know, I've been reading in the Old Testament, I've been reading through the Old Testament in two years, that's my kind of goal this year, normally sometimes I read it through in one year, but I felt like I just wanted to take it a bit slower, and so I've been looking through Numbers and the book of Joshua, and looking at the reality that even though the ancient Israelites had a promise where they, 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 the Lord brought them out of Egypt to bring them into the promised land, we know that they failed it the first time, the second generation came in. And even though they had words like Joshua, God spoke to Joshua and said, wherever you set your feet, you're going to have dominion and that, you're going to have the victory. They actually failed to possess the fullness of the promised land. They were meant to to clear it all out and there was a boundary that God gave them. There was a, a clear space, but the reality was that because of their unbelief, because of maybe their lethargy, because they just didn't go for it, they didn't actually possess the entirety of the promised land. And that was a sad thing. And in fact, we're still, to some degree, they're still struggling with that even today, the reality of that. And so here's the thing. I felt like last week the Holy Spirit said to me, look, there's promised land for you and I, for us as a church community. There's promised land for us as individuals. There's places that are still for us to possess. The Bible says this in, two, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are Christ's workmanship created in Christ, uh, in our union with Christ to do good works which the Father has prepared in advance for us to do. There is a book in heaven written about you. Your book, God has written it before your life is even, you were even born. The Bible says that before one of our days, it was written for us in God's book. And that book has, is a book of all the things that God has purposed and planned in his heart for you to do. And not just a book individually, but actually there's another book of remembrance that's with the people talking to each other. You can see that in Malachi 3, where there's people talking together and God writes a book of remembrance. And we as a community together, we have a book, have a purpose, have a plan that God has for us that he wants us to possess. What does that look like? Well, that looks like our neighborhoods being transformed by Jesus. It looks like our universities and our schools, our education system, actually preaching kingdom values. It looks like businesses being structured not for personal profit and greed, but for, the, for individuals to find prosperity and wealth and for our nation to be um, established in that prosperity, for injustice to be swept away, for righteousness to be established. 
Those are the promised land in this city, many people uh, in this region, many people that don't know Jesus to come to know Jesus. Ideas on how to you know, get rid of cancer, whatever it might be. There's promised land that each one of us, you and I, have a purpose from God, a promised land from heaven. The question that the Lord's asking was asking me and is now asking all of us is, are we going to possess the promised land? Now there's a book, you know, the Hebrews, a book of Hebrews in the Bible. There's, you know, it's the whole chapter devoted in chapter 11 to people that had a promise and fought for the promise and pressed in for the promise, didn't see the fullness of the promise, but kept believing. And here's the thing, this is what the Bible says, is this, that the heart is the key to receiving the promises. The heart is the key to, op- to unlocking and for us to fulfill our potential and to possess the promised land. We know that just anecdotally from the reality of those 10 spies that didn't press in. They said, no, in their hearts they were full of, um, of doubt and so they didn't press in. But we can look at this in reality in Proverbs chapter 4. And we're going to look at verse 23. And I'm going to just remind you, I feel there's in many people, I'm pulling together probably some threads of things that you've already you know, known and talked about and heard before. But I just feel like there's this charge and a reminder from the Holy Spirit to keep pressing through, to keep pressing on, to possess the land of the promise for you and for I, the good works that the Father has prepared in our union with Christ Jesus. So, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says this, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And Aaron was asking us the question last week, what is in your heart? And what, you know, how have you been doing this week with gratitude, with thankfulness? What's been in your heart? Has it been an abundance of faith, of joy, of peace, of excitement, of hope? Or has it been an actual, actually an abundance of fear, of frustration, of anger, of anxiety, all of those things? What's in your heart? The Bible's saying this, very clear, guard your heart with all diligence. And that word, this, actually, if you look into the original language, Hebrew, the word in keep your heart, keep and then diligence or vigilance, depending on what translation, they are two different words, but they essentially mean the same thing, guard. Watch out for. So the first word is to watch, to guard, or to keep. So watch, guard, keep your heart. How? Well, with all diligence. Well, that word actually means a place of confinement, jail, prison, guard, watch, or observe. In other words, keep guard over your heart by keeping it confined, by keeping it confined to his love, confined to his goodness. Guard your heart with what you put into it. Confine it. Don't let your heart run away with itself. Guard it with all diligence. Why? Because this, from, from it flow the springs of life. That's interesting, that word springs in the, in, the, um, in the Hebrew is another interesting word study to do. It's actually, in this passage only, is it shown as to be springs in every other Almost every other usage of it in, in the Old Testament, it actually means this. It's primarily used to describe the end of a geographic boundary. So when you go through Numbers and, Deuter- and, and Joshua and God's describing the promised land, what he's using is he's saying it goes from here to here to here, and then it, but it ends at the, at the sea. Or uh, the, you know, the tribe of Judah goes here, 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 but it ends at this point. That word ends or termination is this word that is actually saying springs of life. 
We would say this, in our, you know, in our house uh, here, we have uh, a creek at the bottom of the garden. Um, and, uh, you know, we would say our property ends at the creek. It's the, it, it, it terminates at the creek. The word that is being used here is, it's, that, it's the end point. So guard your heart with all, due diligence, with all diligence because the end, all the issues of life, the end, um, it's bro- you know, the, the, uh, the flow of life is, is in that boundary. So here's the idea. It actually, uh, the idea is that the issues of our heart form boundaries for us, form the end of things for us. And so if our heart is full of joy and full of peace, we, it's actually good to draw boundaries to say yes to the things that God's called us to and to say no to the things that are going to be distracting. Guard your heart with all due diligence, with all diligence, so that you fulfill the mandate and the mission of God in a positive way. Say yes to what God's called you to. Say no to the other things so that your, so that your boundary, your geographic, your, the place of, of, uh, of influence is good and is what God wants you to achieve. He wants us to create those healthy boundaries. But there's also unhealthy things in our hearts that actually cause limits and boundaries for us that stop us from fulfilling the fullness of the promise that God has for us. And so we're to guard our hearts so that uh, any unhealthiness in us doesn't create limitations, but actually enables us to push through and and fulfill all that God's called us to. So how do we guard our hearts? Well, the first thing we do is we guard by partnering with the Holy Spirit to heal and release pain. You know, I said, I think I said in this just a minute ago, I think I said it about evil being pain. It's hard to remember when you're preaching the same message twice, right? But evil is, uh, it has the connotation of being pain-ridden. Yours and our hearts, because of the things that we've experienced over our lives, because of the bad things that have happened to us, or the good things that we didn't get that we should have got, in other words, the absence of the good stuff, because of those things, our heart, those things become locked in us as pain points, right? As, as things that are, are, are painful and therefore cause us to color our judgment and to think about ourselves in certain ways. You know, bad things happen to us. The issue isn't so much that the bad thing happened to us, the reality for us that locks us into uh, not fulfilling the promises of God is what we make those bad things mean. Yeah? So something bad happens to you and somehow we can make it like it's our fault. And so, and it just generally happens when we're little kids that we make up stories about why things are happening. And there's three things that we can make it mean. We can make it mean, you know, let's say somebody, um, you know, tells me that I am not smart enough and I'm never going to amount to anything. Well, what do I make that mean? Well, the first thing I can make that mean is a judgment about myself. I judge myself as not being smart enough. I can make my, or I can make, and the second thing I can make it mean is an inner vow that says, I have to not, sorry, I have to work really, really hard because I am, uh, it's just, I'm never going to let myself, does anyone know that I'm not smart? Right? I'm, I'm making a judgment. And then the ungodly belief that comes and it says, well, actually, you know what? I'm not really very smart. And I have to work really hard. And, I, you know, and rather than saying that person was just having a bad day, and none of what they spoke over you was true, 
Our hearts take it on and we make it mean something and what we make it mean locks us into bondage and that bondage, if we don't let it get dealt with, that bondage actually causes us to have thought patterns and attitudes that stop us from fulfilling the promised land and laying hold of all that God has for us. It creates boundaries in our lives. So if you're dealing with fear or anxiety, maybe it might create a boundary on what you will or what you won't do. The boundary because I haven't guarded my heart and therefore I've got pain in my heart. The, the pain causes me to set a boundary that says when God says go and speak to that person or go and take that risk or go and invest in this thing or, or whatever it might be, that boundary is like, oh no, I'm not going to do it because of the pain within me. There's a way of pain that has not yet been healed. Maybe it's rejection and that boundary will, look, will, will, set, a, you know, that will set a boundary on what relationships you can have or what they could look like, etc. So we make it mean things and it causes us to, to get locked into a reality that, of thought patterns and belief systems that actually causes us to fall short of who God has called us to be. As I look over my own life, the things that I've had to deal with are anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, insecurity, rejection, fear, hopelessness, all manner of things that are stored in, in, you know, in, in many senses stored in the subconscious level of who I am and that I only know about them when the red button gets pushed. You all have a red button, right? You're, you're familiar with the red button? It might look like this, you know, Ash says to me, hey, could you take out the trash, please? You know, innocuous question. And if I hear it through my red button is, she's always telling me what to do. She doesn't trust what I do at all. How could she do that? She's just nagging me and she's just annoying and I can't believe that. And all of a sudden, I lash back at Ash and guess what? I hit Ash's red button. And so if she's not healed, and you know, thank you, Jesus, that she's you know, more healed than this, you know, she'll kind of lash back and then on my red button, you know, we, we do a let's hit each other's red buttons day or two days, or a week, or what, you know, and if we're really immature, it could be even longer, right? Because there's subconscious pain that's on the inside of us, this way of pain that's there that actually the Lord wants to heal. Until we get that healed, we're actually going to respond out of that pain rather than respond out of the fruit of the Spirit. And so that's why we as a church community, we absolutely have a value on dealing with the issues of the heart. Not because we just want nice people, but because we want each one of us to find freedom so that each one of us can step into the fullness of the call that they have from God, the union with Christ, the good works, the promised land so that you can fulfill all that God's called you to. Do you want to do that? Yes. And so... You know, we love Restoring the Foundations. Those of you that don't know Restoring the Foundations, it's a, it's a, a, a healing modality. It's a, a way of dealing with the, the pain in our hearts that actually sets us free from those things. And we've got some trained RTF ministers here. If you, if you want freedom, going to get some art, Restoring the Foundations is a really good thing. Email or call the office. We also have people that are being trained or have been trained in the Emmanuel approach, which is another modality of just dealing with the issues of the heart. Again, email or call the office for that. The third thing that we've been doing, um, and normally it's on the third Friday, it's third Thursday, I should say, third Thursday of every month, but this time 
It's on Tuesday, so this Tuesday coming is what we call our Freedom Nights. And we've got a Freedom Team that have been trained in how to help us walk free from the, the issues of the past, the pain, the bad things that we've experienced, or the lack of things that we've had, and help us walk through those things, walk in forgiveness, get rid of any demonic stuff that's attached to that, so that we can walk in freedom. Why? Because we want you to be free. Yeah? We want to be free. And so I want to highly commend to you that any, th- any, any of those options, and it, you know, the freedom team, you just have to register, go to ctfrally.com slash freedom, and, and, it's, and it's a great opportunity to be together. It's going to be in a group setting to actually deal with those issues of the heart and work through the trauma and what we've made it mean. Because again, why? We want you to be free. And if you, you know, so guarding the, the, you know, the, the, the heart with all due diligence, with all diligence, actually requires us to let go of some things, to allow the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives and to open ourselves up so that we're no longer walking in the ways of pain. The second thing that we do, though, to guard our heart is uh, what we're learning is to do is a, a nightly flush. Not the toilet, but the heart, right? What, what, what does that look like? Well, you know, during the day you go through, if you're anything like me, you go through the day and things happen, right? You get annoyed by somebody that cuts you off in the car or you, you know, you have a little bit of a tiff with your spouse or somebody says something that's a bit unkind or you, you watch the news and you get a bit concerned or whatever it might be, right? There's a whole range of things and, and the, the, you know, the discipline of guarding our heart actually requires us every day before going to bed because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, don't go to bed angry, don't sin, don't give the devil a foothold. So clear out before you go to bed every night saying, okay, what is it in this in my heart today that's stuck to me that I need to flush away? Pain, anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, just a little seed, whatever it might be, a little seed grows into a very big tree. And so learning to do the nightly flush Flush what we watched on TV, flush what we read on the internet, flush what, flush what we heard on the news. Is it whatever's pulling you away from faith, whatever's pulling you away from God, whatever's pulling you away from joy and, and peace, flush it every day. It requires discipline, guard your hearts and your minds. The other thing that, uh, there's lots of things, but I'm uh, running out of time, so let me just cover this one. You know, a few, it's to guard our hearts by making a positive confession and standing upon the word of God. A couple of weeks ago, I was feeling a bit miserable. You know, one of those days, or for me, it was a little longer than a day, unfortunately, where you're just aware of all the things that you've done wrong. You know, you're aware of all your shortcomings. Anyone else have those kind of days? You know, it's like you just feel a bit miserable because, oh, yeah, I missed it there and I blew it there. And, oh, man, I've, done, you know, I've been dealing with this for so long, whatever, right? And I was going through these things and, and, um, and I, you know, I was feeling a bit sorry for myself. And uh, so, I, you know, I've, one of the things I'm learning to do, and it's, it's, a, it's an ongoing exercise for me, is to process my emotions and to name my emotions. So, you know, I'm with the Lord. I had a morning to, on my own, and I'm going, you know, through the this emotions in my mind. I'm like, well, I, I feel shame about this, and I feel guilt about that, and I feel hurt about that, and I feel angry about that. And, and then I, so I went through them all, and then I had to go through them again because they were still there. You know, still some stuff I'm working through. And, I'm, and then at the end of it, the Lord says to me, well, that's good. Well done. Can, I, can, can we do something else now? Uh, uh, okay. 
He says, well, what I want you to do is I want you to start to, you, you've been so focused on all the things that haven't been going well or all the things that have been of lack. Here's what I want you to do. What I want you to do now is actually start making confessions of who I've made you to be and who I've called you to and who I am for you. And so rather than focusing on the negative, I started to say, okay, thank you, Lord. Well, you know, I should probably have known that already because I've, you know, I've tried to make that a discipline, but there we go. Here we go again. And so I start to make a declaration. You know, I, this is who I've called to be. Jesus is enough for me. It's not by might, not by the power, but it's by the Holy Spirit. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I, I'm called to this. I'm loved by him. I'm the treasure. I'm his a- apple of his eye. I start to speak to myself about the things that God has spoken to me and about who I know to be true about myself because of the word of God. And I start to make a confession about those things, not just who I am, but then who God is. God is powerful, he's strong, he's loving, he's with me, he's good, his steadfast love is everywhere. It fills the whole earth. Everywhere I go, I run into his love. He has a plan for me, he has a purpose, and I'm just building myself out of this place of feeling grumpy and miserable having processed the necessary emotion, because that's really important to do that. It's not just about shoving things down. Get it out, but then start to confess the other things. And I'm starting to, you know, I'm starting to, to, to feel like myself again. You know, Ephesians chapter 6 it's, and verse 17 says, and as he's going through the armor of God, it's the sword of the Spirit. The, the offensive weapon for us is the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. When Jesus was tempted on the mountain, you know, in the three times Jesus was tempted by the enemy, he, the devil, he was tempted, he counteracted that temptation with the word of God. He spoke the truth over himself and he spoke the truth to the enemy. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. Whether it's the written word of God, which we love and we want to just continue to digest and eat and live out, or it's the prophetic word of God. And in fact, this, you know, Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, in 1 Timothy 1.18, he says, remember the prophetic words and by them wage warfare. So get your prophetic words out and wage warfare. Start to declare this is who God's called me to be. Speak to the mountains in your life. Jesus said in Mark 11, we haven't got time to go into the scripture, but in Mark 11, he basically says this, if you have faith in your heart and you say to a mountain, move, it will be moved. And so we're not talking about, you know, triumphalism and name it and claim it and everything was going to be good. But what we are talking about is being faithful to the word of God and standing firm on the word of God and speaking to your spirit and bringing your soul back into alignment with the word of God, even if your, te- your circumstances don't change a thing. Right, we're guarding our hearts because we're not going to start wallowing in unbelief. We're going to come, as soon as we understand that we're in unbelief or we get any sense of that, we pick ourselves back up with the word of God. We make declarations by that and we just declare. We were doing that in the first service this morning. Psalm 27, 13, I declare that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Romans 11, faith comes by hearing the word of God and sometimes that word has to come from our very own lips to build faith. And so here's the question, what's in your heart? And are you comfortable with letting it be or do you want to press on for more? Are you happy to sit where you are 
and live with the things that you've got because that's just the status quo and that's just the way things are around here? Or are you actually wanting to press on to fulfill the calling and the purpose that God has for you? Do you want to press into the promised land? Or do you want to lay hold of that which Christ laid hold of you? If you do, the heart is the key. Allowing the Holy Spirit to speak into the heart and to get to the deep things of the heart. Watch your lips this week. See what comes out of your mouth. Take note of that. Don't panic. Just come to Freedom Night. <laughs> Go online, ctfrunner.com slash freedom. Book yourself into Freedom Night. If you can't get it this night, this week, because it's already booked, yeah, it's coming again next month. Do it again. Do it. And just allow the Holy Spirit to deal with the issues of your heart because he wants you to be free. Just one more thing and I'm gonna, I'll wrap up here. You know, it says of Jesus in Hebrews chapter one, verse nine, that he was anointed with the oil of gladness above all of his peers. I love that. I love the thought that Jesus is the joyful one and he's living on the inside of you and I. But that word gladness, to me, I've sort of thought, well, gladness doesn't seem to be as good as joy. It just seems like, well, I'm glad. Did anyone have that? You know, it's like joy is here, glad is here. But then I researched that word and I realized that actually the root of that word is exuberant joy. Gladness, the oil of gladness is, the root of it is two words, which is much or very and jump. In other words, it's the kind of joy that causes you to get up and spin and twirl and jump and dance because you're so flipping happy. <laughs> Woo! Yeah! Just kind of like that, but more elegant, more graceful, and I'm sure more anointed. It's to be so glad one jumps in celebration and experientially joyful. So here's the thing. The Holy Spirit wants to anoint each one of us with the oil of gladness because we have Christ Jesus on the inside of us. He is the joyful one. He doesn't want us to walk in miserable misery or pain. He doesn't want us to walk in the way of pain. As David said in Psalm 139, he says at the end, search me, O God, and know my thoughts. Test me and see if there is any way of pain within me and lead me in the life everlasting. In other words, I'm going in this way of pain, but what he wants to do is lead us into this place of everlasting joy and delight where we are so full of him and so full of his joy, inexpressible, full of glory. So my question to you, are you going to hold back? Are you going to not possess the promised land? Are you going to be like the Israelites that never actually got all the way through or are you going to allow the Holy Spirit to deal with the issues of your heart, keep pressing forward, and ask the Holy Spirit for the oil of gladness? I want to invite you to stand. Uh, if you feel comfortable, um, why don't you lay your hands, just put your hand out and put your hand on someone's shoulder next to you. And uh, you guys can all be the ministry team. And um, just pray for that person that the Lord would anoint them with the oil of gladness. 
that they would be exuberant in their joy, that they would be filled with so much joy it would be uncontainable that they would have to spin and twirl and jump very much because they're so full of joy. Just pray the oil of gladness over them. It's the, the oil of gladness is the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who loves to release his joy because in God, because where God is, there's a fullness of joy and he releases that joy upon you. So Lord, fill them with the fullness of joy. Fill them and anoint them with the oil of gladness. Anoint them with the oil of gladness. Anoint them with the oil of gladness. The joy of heaven. Just pray that, pray, pray for more of God, that they, the Father would download his love into them, into the person that you're praying for, and that each one would encounter his love in a fresh way, that he, they could live in joy and peace. Be filled, be filled, be filled, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oil of joy. When the Holy Spirit comes, the Bible says that he gives us beauty for ashes, a garment of praise instead of a faint spirit or a despair, and beauty for mourning. So right now, Lord, would you release the oil, the garment of praise, the oil of gladness, the garment of praise across our community, Lord, that we would be a people full of praise, that we will be a people full of the joy of the Lord, no matter what the circumstances, because our eyes are fixed upon you. Lord, that we would be a people, Lord, that not focused on the things that we don't have, but focused on the things that we do have, the eternal glory that we have in you, Jesus. That we would be a people that would be unshakable in our faith and our expectation in you. Holy Spirit. And that we would be a people that would pursue the heart and that we would allow you to deal with the heart to unlock our destiny and our calling. And so we just speak to every heart here and I just, I, I say, my, my appeal to you is open up to the King of glory. Open up to the King of glory. Let the King of glory come in. I speak to the ancient doors. I speak to those gates of your heart and say, King of glory, come in. Just, just ask the King of glory to come into your heart and allow him to deal with all of the ways of pain that are within us so that we can walk in freedom and joy.